Chapter Four of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. La Corriveau. Scanarel. Seigneur Commandeur, mon maître Don Juan vous demande si vous voulez lui faire l'honneur de venir souper avec lui. Le même la statue ma fascine le festin de pierre what the ghosts are growing ruder how they beard me to-night why this is goblin hall spirits and spectres all in all faustus jose after having unbridled the horse and given him what he called a mouthful of hay made haste to open a box which he had ingeniously arranged on the sled to serve as needs might be both for seat and larder he brought out a great napkin in which were wrapped up two roast chickens a tongue a ham a little flask of brandy a good big bottle of wine he was going to retire when jules said to him come along and take a bite with us jose yes indeed come and sit here by me said archie oh gentlemen said jose i know my place too well come now no affectations said jules we are here like three soldiers in camp will you be so good as to come you obstinate fellow since you say so gentlemen i must obey my officers answered jose the two young men seated themselves on the box which served them also for a table jos took his place very comfortably on a bundle of hay and all three began to eat and drink with a hearty appetite archie naturally abstemious had soon finished his meal having nothing better to do he began to philosophize in his lighter moods he loved to propound paradoxes for the pleasure of the argument do you know brother mine what it was that interested me most in my friend's story no exclaimed jules attacking another drumstick and what's more for the next quarter of an hour i don't care the hungry stomach has no ears oh that's no matter said archie it was those devils goblin spirits or whatever you choose to call them with only one eye i wish that the fashion could be adopted among men there would be fewer hypocrites fewer rogues and therefore fewer dupes assuredly it is some consolation to see that virtue is held in honour even among hobgoblins did you notice with what respect those one-eyed fellows were treated by the other imps that may be said jules but what does it prove it proves answered lochiel that the one-eyed fellows deserved the special attentions that were paid them they are the haute noblesse among hobgoblins above all they are not hypocrites nonsense said jules i begin to be afraid your brain is softening oh no i'm not so crazy as you think answered archie just watch a hypocrite with somebody he wants to deceive with what humility he keeps one eye half shut while the other watches the effect of his words if he had but one eye he would lose this immense advantage and would have to give up his role of hypocrite which he finds so profitable there you see is one vice the less 
my cyclops of a hobgoblin has probably many other vices but he is certainly no hypocrite whence the respect to which he is treated by a class of beings stained with all the vices in the category here's your health my scottish philosopher exclaimed jules tossing off a glass of wine hanged if i understand a word of your reasoning though but it's clear as day answered archie the heavy and indigestible stuff with which you are loading down your stomach must be clogging your brains if you ate nothing but oatmeal as we highlanders do your ideas would be a good deal clearer that oatmeal seems to stick in your throat my friend said jules it ought to be easy enough to digest however even without the help of sauce here's another example said archie a rogue who wishes to cheat an honest man in any kind of a transaction always keeps one eye winking or half shut while the other watches to see whether he is gaining or losing in the trade one eye is plotten while the other watches that is a vast advantage for the rogue his antagonist on the other hand seeing one eye clear frank and honest cannot suspect what is going on behind the eye which blinks and plots and calculates while its fellow keeps as impenetrable as fate now let us reverse the matter continued archie let us suppose the same rogue in the same circumstances but blind of one eye the honest man watching his face may often read in his eye his inmost thoughts for my cyclops being himself suspicious is constrained to keep his one eye wide open rather laughed jules if he doesn't want to break his neck granted replied lochiel but still more for the purpose of reading the soul of him he wants to deceive he finds it necessary moreover to give his eye an expression of candour and good fellowship in order to divert suspicion which must absorb a portion of his wits then since there are few men who can follow without the help of both their eyes two different trains of thought at the same time our rogue finds that he has lost half of his advantage he renounces his wicked calling and society is the richer by one more honest man my poor archie murmured jules i see that we have exchanged roles that i am now the scotch philosopher as i so courteously entitle you while you are the crazy frenchman as you irreverently term me for don't you see my new prometheus that this one-eyed race of men endowed with all the virtues which you intend to substitute might very readily blink if that is an infallible recipe for deception and for the purpose of taking observations just open their eye from time to time oh you french you frivolous french you deluded french no wonder the english catch you on the hip in diplomacy it would seem to me interrupted jules that the scotch ought to know something by this time about english diplomacy archie's face saddened and grew pale his friend had touched a sore spot jules perceived this at once and said forgive me dear fellow if i have hurt you i know the subject is one that calls up painful memories i spoke as usual without thinking 
one often thoughtlessly wounds those one best loves by a retort which one may think very witty but come let us drink to a merry life go on with your remarkable reasoning that will be pleasanter for both of us the cloud has passed over and i resume my argument said lochiel repressing his emotion don't you see that my rascal could not shut his eye for an instant without the risk of his prey escaping him do you remember the squirrel that we saved last year from that great snake at the foot of the old maple tree in your father's park remember how the snake kept its glowing eyes fixed upon the poor little creature in order to fascinate it how the squirrel kept springing from branch to branch with piteous cries unable to remove its gaze for an instant from that of the hideous reptile when we made it look away it was saved do you remember how joyous it was after the death of its enemy well my friend let our rogue shut his eye and his prey escapes him verily said jules you are a mighty dialectician i shouldn't wonder if you would some day eclipse if you don't do it already such prattlers as socrates zeno montaigne and other philosophers of that ilk the only danger is lest your logic should some day land you in the moon you think you can make fun of me said archie very well but only let some pedant with his pen behind his ear undertake to refute my thesis seriously and a hundred scribblers in battle array will take sides for and against and floods of ink will flow the world has been deluged with blood itself in defence of theories about as reasonable as mine why such a thing has often been enough to make a man famous meanwhile answered jules your argument will serve as one of those after-pieces with which sancho panza used to put don quixote to sleep as for me i greatly prefer the story of our friend jose you are easily pleased sir said the latter who had been taking a nap during the scientific discussion let us listen said archie Conticuere omnes in ora tenebant. Conticuere, you irrepressible pedant, cried d'Aberville. It's not one of the priest's stories, put in Jose briskly, but it is as true as if he had told it from the pulpit, for my late father never lied. We believe you, my dear Jose, said Lochiel. But now please go on with your delightful narrative. Well, said Jose, it happened that my late father brave as he was was in such a devil of a funk that the sweat was hanging from the end of his nose like a head of oats there he was the dear man with his eyes bigger than his head never daring to budge presently he thought he heard behind him the tick-tack tick-tack which he had already heard several times on the journey but he had too much to occupy his attention in front of him to pay much heed to what might pass behind suddenly when he was least expecting it he felt two great bony hands like the claws of a bear grip him by the shoulders he turned around horrified and found himself face to face with la corriveau who was climbing on his back she had thrust her hands through the bars of her cage and succeeded in clutching him 
but the cage was heavy and at every leap she fell back again to the ground with a hoarse cry without losing her hold however on the shoulders of my late father who bent under the burden if he had not held tight to the fence with both hands he would have been crushed under the weight my poor late father was so overwhelmed with horror that one might have heard the sweat that rolled off his forehead dropping down on the fence like grains of duck-shot my dear francis said la corriveau do me the pleasure of taking me to dance with my friends of ile d'orleans oh you devil's wench cried my late father that was the only oath the good man ever used and that only when very much tried the deuce exclaimed jules it seems to me that the occasion was a very suitable one for my own part i should have been swearing like a heathen and i said archie like an englishman isn't that much the same thing answered d'haberville you are wrong my dear jules i must acknowledge that the heathen acquit themselves very well but the english oh my leroux who soon as he got out of college made a point of reading all the bad books he could get hold of told us if you remember that that blackguard of a voltaire as my uncle the jesuit used to call him had declared in a book of his treating of what happened in france in the reign of charles the seventh when that prince was hunting the islanders out of his kingdom leroux told us that voltaire had put it on record that every englishman swears well my boy those events took place about the year fourteen forty five let us say three hundred years ago judge then what dreadful oaths that ill-tempered nation must have invented in the course of three centuries i surrender said jules but go on my dear jose devil's wench exclaimed my late father is that your gratitude for my de profundis and all my other prayers you'd drag me into the orgy would you i was thinking you must have been in for at least three or four thousand years of purgatory for your pranks and you had only killed two husbands which was a mere nothing so having always a tender heart for everything i felt sorry for you and said to myself we must give you a helping hand and this is the way you thank me that you want to straddle my shoulders and ride me to hell like a heretic my dear francis said la corriveau take me over to dance with my dear friends and she knocked her head against that of my late father till her skull rattled like a dry bladder filled with pebbles you may be sure said my late father you hellish wench of judas iscariot i'm not going to be your jackass to carry you over to dance with those pretty darlings my dear francis answered the witch i cannot cross the st lawrence which is a consecrated stream except with the help of a christian get over as best you can you devilish gallows bird said my late father get over as best you can every one to his own business oh yes a likely thing that i'll carry you over to dance with your dear friends but that will be a devil of a journey you have come the lord knows how dragging that fine cage of yours which must have torn up all the stones on the king's highway a nice row there'll be when the inspector passes this way one of these days and finds the road in such a condition and then 
who but the poor habitant will have to suffer for your frolics getting fined for not having kept the road properly the drum major suddenly stopped beating on his great saucepan all the goblins halted and gave three yells three frightful whoops like the indians give when they have danced that war dance with which they always begin their bloody expeditions the island was shaken to its foundation the wolves the bears all the other wild beasts and the demons of the northern mountains took up the cry and the echoes repeated till it was lost in the forests of the far-off saguenay my poor late father thought that the end of the world had come and the day of judgment the tall devil with the saucepan struck three blows and a silence most profound succeeded the hellish hubbub he stretched out his arm toward my late father and cried with a voice of thunder will you make haste you lazy dog will you make haste you cur of a christian and ferry our friend across we have only fourteen thousand four hundred times more to prance around the island before cock-crow are you going to make her lose the best of the fun go to the devil where you all belong answered my late father losing all patience come my dear francis said la corriveau be a little more obliging you are acting like a child about a mere trifle moreover see how the time is flying come now one little effort no no my wench of satan said my late father would to heaven you still had on the fine collar which the hangman put around your neck two years ago you wouldn't have so clear a windpipe during this dialogue the goblins on the island resumed their chorus here we go all round hands all round here we go all round my dear francis said the witch if your body and bones won't carry me over i'm going to strangle you i will straddle your soul and ride over to the festival with these words she seized him by the throat and strangled him what exclaimed the young man she strangled your poor late father now dead when i said strangled it was very little better than that answered jose for the dear man lost his consciousness when he came to himself he heard a little bird which cried ketu who art thou oh said my late father it's plain i'm not in hell since i hear the dear lord's birds he opened first one eye then the other and saw that it was broad daylight the sun was shining right in his face the little bird perched on a neighboring branch kept crying ketu my dear child said my late father it is not very easy to answer your question for i'm not very certain this morning just who i am only yesterday i believed myself to be a brave honest and god-fearing man but i have had such an experience this night that i can hardly be sure that it is i francis dubay here present in body and soul then the dear man began to sing here we go all round hands all round here we go all round in fact he was half bewitched at last however he perceived that he was lying full length in a ditch where happily there was more mud than water 
but for that my poor late father who now sleeps with the saints surrounded by all his relations and friends and fortified by all the holy sacraments would have died without absolution like a monkey in his old tree begging your pardon for the comparison young gentleman when he had got his face clear from the mud of the ditch in which he was stuck fast as in a vice the first thing he saw was his flask on the bank above him at this he plucked up his courage and stretched out his hand to take a drink but no such luck the flask was empty the witch had drained every drop my dear jose said lochiel i think i am about as brave as the next one nevertheless if such an adventure had happened to me never again would i have travelled alone at night nor i either said d'haberville to tell you the truth gentlemen said jose since you are so discriminating i will confess that my late father who before this adventure would not have turned a hair in the graveyard at midnight was never afterwards so bold he dared not even go alone after sunset to do his chores in the stable and very sensible he was but finish your story said jules it is finished said jose my late father harnessed his horse who appeared poor brute to have noticed nothing unusual and made his way home fast as possible it was not till a fortnight later that he told us his adventure what do you say to all that my self-satisfied skeptic who would refuse to canada the luxury of witches and wizards inquired d'haberville i say answered archie that our highland witches are mere infants compared with those of new france and what's more if ever i get back to my scottish hills i'm going to imprison all our hobgoblins in bottles as lesage did with his wooden-legged devil asmodeus hm said jose it would serve them just right accursed blackguards but where would you get bottles big enough there'd be the difficulty End of chapter 4